I originally found myself a little disappointed by the third generation's Pokemon selection, because, at the time at least, I thought they were too overwhelmingly humanoid. The most popular starter evolved into a humanoid fighting type. The legendary trio were humanoid robotic characters. And the breakout new super popular monster was this waif-like fairy woman, Gardevoir. In the intervening years, I've come around on all of these monsters, as I've learned more about the fascinating mythological creatures which inspired them. In the fourth generation, we even received hints that Pokemon and humans were related in some way. I see the relationship as similar to that between mortal men and elves or fairies or similar races from mythology around the world. In the pursuit of technology and progress, humanity let go of the magical part of themselves. The difference in Pokemon is that people held on to a way to stay in touch with their magical spiritual world. I'm Luke Summerhays, and I love routes. Fairies are a mainstay in European folklore and mythology, sometimes referring to specific winged humanoid creatures, sometimes referring to the whole menagerie of supernatural creatures and beings. The name fairy has been in use since at least the 13th century. While most cultures around the world have their own myths of hidden magical peoples, forest sprites or something of the like, Nintendo do seem acutely aware of this specific western fairy, the modern, Peter Pan version of a fairy has been a mainstay of Nintendo's Legend of Zelda series, directly referencing the opening of Ridley Scott's Legend. Routes is a Pokémon very clearly inspired by the early European fair folk. A bright white in colour, resembling a small child in an oversized dress. It has green hair that usually covers its eyes, and in lieu of a fairy's wings, a pair of flat red wing-shaped horns on its head. Pokemon Ruby tells us about these horns. Ralph senses the emotion of people, using the horns on its head. This Pokemon rarely appears before people, but when it does, it draws closer if it senses that the person has a positive disposition. And Pokemon Sapphire tells us, Routes has the ability to sense the emotions of people. If its trainer is in a cheerful mood, this Pokemon grows cheerful and joyous in the same way. In Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire, and their remakes, Routes is caught early on by Wally, one of the rival characters. A shy, sensitive and sickly boy, the waifish Pokemon who hides beneath its head of hair, is a perfect fit. Wally's development into a more confident character is mirrored nicely by Routes growing up, culminating in a memorable battle just before the Pokemon League. This battle was especially beautiful in the remakes Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, where Wally is fought surrounded by falling blossoms, like a showdown in a classic samurai movie, or the battle with the boss at the end of Metal Gear Solid 3. While it isn't quite as sad as Everything she did, she did. 
for her country. She sacrificed her life and her honor for her native land. She was a real hero. She was a true patriot. It is a little heartbreaking that, despite rooting for Wally, to progress in the game, I had to beat him. The name route, which is the same in Japanese, is an anagram of the word Astral, referring to the Pokémon's psychic and otherworldly existence. Even in the languages where the name is slightly different, the letters are still an anagram of Astral. Routes also rhymes with Waltz, I mean except it doesn't because I pronounce it Routes, but maybe it's Rultz? The popular slow dance. This might not seem relevant yet, but at level 20, Routes or Rultz quite clearly evolves into a dancer when it becomes Curlia. Curlia is a little taller, standing now on two slender legs on point like a ballet dancer's. No longer shuffling along and hiding, one of its eyes is now fully revealed by its hairstyle, and has a lot more confidence. The tutu dress and pigtails complete the look of a young ballerina. Curlia's Pokédex entries continue the theme of empathy from Routes, though expanding on its otherworldly psychic powers. Pokémon Ruby tells us, It is said that a Curlia that is exposed to the positive emotions of its trainer grows beautiful. This Pokémon controls psychokinetic powers with its highly developed brain. Pokémon Sapphire tells us, Curlia uses the horns on its head to amplify its psychokinetic power. When the Pokémon uses its power, the air around it becomes distorted, creating mirages of non-existent scenery. And lastly, Pokémon Emerald tells us, A Curlier has the psychic power to create a rip in the dimensions and see into the future. It is said to dance with pleasure on sunny mornings. The name Curlier comes from Curlian photography, a phenomenon discovered by Semyon Curlian in 1933, the year King Kong came out, in which electrified objects will leave an image on a photographic plate. It has been subsequently used to try to provide evidence of an aura, or life force, held by living beings. Routes and Curlia are both clearly fairy-inspired Pokémon. This talk of supernatural photography of course brings to mind the famous Cottingley photos of fairies in 1917. Yet, in the first three generations of their existence, the Routes family were pure psychic types. The fairy type was introduced in the sixth generation, and of course they were first in line to be given the new typing. Composer for the podcast, Jonathan Cromie, has adventured with Curlia in the past, though he's never gone much further. Hey Luke Loves Pokemon, uh, it's Jonathan the Composer, hope you're enjoying the podcast. Uh, I'm coming to you today to talk to you about Routes and its family, and also some of the more annoying aspects of my favorite generation of Pokemon, Generation 3, Ruby and Sapphire. So, routes. I had a routes in my team every time I played Ruby and Sapphire. And for those who remember previous episodes, I did that four times. I played through uh, Sapphire uh, three times and Ruby once. Um, and every time I had a routes. And unless your name is Wally, Routes is immensely difficult to find. Like, every, every single time you've played the game, you had to sit through the tedious, horrible, unskippable, unfast-forwardable, un... 
mash the A button to speed it up a bit. Catching tutorial where you saw Wally laboriously use Norman's zigzagoon to catch a rouse. And the first time I was playing it, I thought, oh, okay, cool, Psychotair Pokemon early on, I'll have some of that. And then, you know, you spend hours walking, or I spent hours walking around between my, all my playthroughs trying to find the bloody thing. Like, routes were so incredibly rare, had such an incredibly low catch percentage. Once you found it, it was kind of weak and useless. And I wouldn't have bothered on my sort of replays if it hadn't been one of the only sort of Pokemon that you could get that knew the move Teleport. Now, I remember after you face Norman, um, there's, you start the trek up towards Fortree Gym from Mobile City, I believe. And it's immensely tedious. It's a huge, long route filled with watery areas and long grass and trainers and rain. And it really shows, looking back on it, how it's sort of poorly paced and how artificially difficult Ruby and Sapphire could be. And you didn't have fly because you got fly from Fortree City, from Winona, I believe. So anytime, and I, I was a 12 to th or 13 year old kid and I was a bit of an item hoarder. I wanted to keep all my items safe just in case I needed them in a, on a rainy day. Ignore the fact that this route was always a rainy day. So I used the Pokemon Center lots and the only quick way to get to the Pokemon Center was to use routes as teleport at the time. Or Kalia, as it would inevitably be by that point. So I always had a route, and I always had a Kalia, and I very rarely had a Gardevoir, because as soon as I got to Fortree City, that was it. Kalia had served her purpose, or occasionally, weirdly, his purpose. Back, back in the box with it, don't need teleport anymore, done. I only really started to like the evolutionary line in Generation 4. Um, I don't really like many of the generation for added evolutions but Galad I, I love it's, it I know it's another sort of human shaped Pokemon but it's it's got swords for arms tap it it's got swords for arms how can you not like a Pokemon that has swords for arms Galad was cool it was a cool Pokemon and it had swords for arms so yeah, I like Galad and what's more you know fast forward to sort of generation six and Alpha Ruby and Omega Sapphire and having hated Wally for the intervening uh, 12, 12 years, when, when did I say? It's, it's, it's 20, it's 2014, when, um, yeah, Omega Sapphire and Ruby came out. So, 12 year gap during which I'd hated Wally. And then it, there's that really, really sort of impressive, moves filled, red flower field set battle with him and his mega gallard at the end of Victory Road. Now, that is probably the best thing about, uh, about those remakes, and it made me love Gallard all the more. Um, so there we go, with, uh, uh, that's my very strong feelings, not always positive, on the, on the Routes family. Um, I hope you enjoy the next few episodes of the podcast. I'll probably be talking to you, to you again when we, um, when we cover Nosepass, uh, an unrated favour of Bye. At level 30, as Jonathan mentioned, Kalia can evolve into Gardevoir. Gardevoir is among the most popular Pokémon from this third generation of monsters. With a beautiful, distinctive, and very feminine appearance, it has a unique niche in the Pokédex, particularly when it was first introduced. It represents a very different and captivating vision of psychic energy. Gardevoir's design, with the large head atop a slender body in a long kimono-like dress, has been compared with an Anasima Ningyo, a type of Japanese paper doll. 
Routes' small size, disproportionate head, and overall cute appearance also make it resemble a small baby dolly. Similarly, Curlier could be seen as a little ballerina doll in a music box. And if I really want to shoehorn him into this metaphor, I could say that Gallade is an action figure. Combined with the way the horn appears to pierce the body, even right through the chest in Gardevoir's case, this doll connection could have sinister supernatural implications. A straw doll with a pin pushed through the chest is commonly used in Japanese curses, hence the animation for the move Curse, seeing a pin pushed into a Pokemon's chest. Similar in appearance to a voodoo doll, there was even a Pokemon with this motif cut during the second generation's development. While a pierced doll may have inspired Gardevoir's design, its character is not a cursed one, but actually quite a benevolent attitude. In this case, the horn going through its heart, rather than its head, symbolises how Gardevoir is even more in tune with the emotions of its trainer than it was in previous forms. Pokemon Emerald tells us, It apparently does not feel the pull of gravity because it supports itself with psychic power. It will give its life to protect its trainer. And Pokemon Fire Red and Leaf Green told us, It has the power to predict the future. Its power peaks when it's protecting its trainer. Pokemon Ruby told us, Gardevoir has the ability to read the future. If it senses impending danger to its trainer, this Pokemon is said to unleash its psychokinetic energy at full power. And Pokemon Sapphire tells us, Gardevoir has the psychokinetic power to distort the dimensions and create a small black hole. This Pokemon will try to protect its trainer, even at the risk of its own life. With the beautiful white appearance and all of this talk of protecting its trainer no matter the cost, Gardevoir is also being compared to a guardian angel. The name Gardevoir comes from this desire to protect its trainer, you know, to guard, combined with the French word for duty. Interestingly, it also brings to mind the term en garde from fencing, and the Japanese name is Sir Knight. Together, these names suggest a very different interpretation of Gardevoir than that of the Wayfish Dancer. Perhaps Gardevoir is actually a samurai warrior in their robes outside of armor, or otherwise just a deliberate inversion of the stereotype that a man protects his lady. It is worth noting that Gardevoir actually has an equal 50-50 gender ratio. This alternative, subversive interpretation of Gardevoir has become more and more difficult to subscribe to in subsequent games. First, there was a male-only, more knight-like alternative evolution. Then later, there was a mega evolution, in a large ball gown and with long gloves, that strongly reinforced the dance motif. Gardevoir's psychic typing and wide range of attacks gave it a small competitive niche. However, it was the introduction of that fairy typing, and a mega evolution which made Gardevoir much more of a threat. For the past three generations, it has been a reasonably top-tier monster, even appearing on world champion teams. Though for me, the most interesting thing about Mega Gardevoir is that the shiny version has a black dress, which is much cooler than the shiny versions of all the rest of the Pokémon's family. As of the fourth generation games, Male Curlier can, as I mentioned, also evolve into Gallade with the use of a Dawnstone. Psychic and fighting rather than fairy, Gallade is clearly a knight, 
with sword blade arms and a crouched combat pose, topped off with a crested helmet. Pokemon Diamond and Pearl tell us, A master of courtesy and swordmanship, it fights using extending swords on its elbows. Pokemon Platinum tells us, When protecting someone, it extends its elbows as if they were swords, and fights savagely. Lastly, Pokemon Heart Gold and Cell Silver told us, Because it can sense what its foe is thinking, its attacks burst out first, fast, and fierce. Gallade is a cool Pokemon in its own way, though part of me is a little put off by the fact that it's male only, more combat focused, and replaces Wally's Gardevoir in the remakes. It almost feels like someone at the Pokemon Company saw that Gardevoir's feminine aesthetic had captured hearts, and thought to themselves, we need to make a cool fighting one for the boys. For me, a big part of Pokemon's appeal is in how it showcases many different kinds of strength. Gallade's name combines Gallant and Blade, while the Japanese name, Erebo, combines Earl and Elbow. Gallade also gained a mega evolution in the 6th gen, adding a cape to make it the most heroic of knights, and enhancing the sword blades with that red material which makes up the family's horns. Gallade is fast and strong, particularly in its mega form, which has allowed it to make appearances on the competitive scene. But as it's never been the very strongest or the very fastest, it isn't the most significant or memorable. Both Gardevoir and Gallade are now in Pokken Tournament, with a floaty supernatural style and a fast and hard one respectively, making very worthy additions. In the 19 years since Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire released, I've been on a long journey with the Gardevoir family. I've grown to appreciate how Pokemon can tie into more kinds of mythology than just, Oh, dragons are cool! And I can really appreciate the fairy folk and their ethereal power. Music for Luke Loves Pokemon was composed by Jonathan Cromie. Artwork for the show is by Katie Groves. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to help keep it online, please consider supporting at patreon.com slash podcastiopodcastius. While you're there, why not check out the other podcasts me and my pals create? I love it when listeners get in touch. Hit me up on Twitter or Facebook at LukeLovesPKFN. I want to hear why you love these monsters, whether it's a Pokemon we've already covered, or one that's coming up. Next up are Surskit and Shroomish, so please let me know your thoughts on those. I love routes. And remember, I love you too.